Hello and welcome to another Bertin Paul podcast. Uh, I'm here again, two podcasts in a week. Uh, we are sponsored today by Dolan Baths, which was built by Alexander Buchanan Campbell. Uh, East Kilbride prominent, cost six hundred thousand. It's got two swimming pools, first Olympic size swimming pool in Scotland. It's got two gyms, and it was based on Stephen. It was based on a Japanese design. The, the, the architect went to Japan to the Olympics and came back and built Bol, uh, Dolan Baths. And uh, that, that's our sponsor tonight, and that, that should have a cue for the, the East Kilbride Mafia, the greatest podcast people of all time. Uh, the two Chrissies are here, Christopher Dixon and Chris Nelson. How are you doing, guys? I'm bad, Paul. Good evening, team. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, delighted. Absolutely delighted. You guys were all over it. And uh, we brought in uh, London London correspondent... <laughs> Boris Johnson's oh, right hand man, <laughs> the man who can't come back to Scotland because just because. Yeah, Stephen Kane, how you doing? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having us on. It's a pleasure. I always thought it was more Ikeoki and it was more the Edinburgh Mafia rather than East Kilbride Mafia. But oh. anyway, well, it was and us, but I just thought they came in. They came in the podcast and just like everybody was listening to it, and obviously. The, the charisma and all that carry on the knowledge women's football and stuff and I just they just left us behind that's why Betty turned up Wednesday with six pages of full scap and wanted to read out absolutely everything just to keep up with the intelligence of his school pride with our better school systems <laughs> so, you mentioned uh, the Dolan Baths there do you know growing up I just always remember the Dolan Baths having a grand reopening every couple of years I think it was shut more than it was open there was always something falling off the roof or the roof, a leak yeah. in the pool or there's always something going on with it. Oh, so I don't know if it's open just now. See with the, with the Dolan Baths, why? Because you had the John Wright Sports Centre as well. And that was that. that's separate, isn't it, from the Dolan? Completely separate. Like, one's, one's a... One's a sports centre, one's a pool, one's a sports centre. Yeah, well done. <laughs> 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 one's got water, one doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Two pools. Two yeah, pools. It's, it's a room for an Ali McCoyst. Um, centre as well. Is, is that what's the I'm new one? I'm a Dolan. I've got one, yes. I saw him get a dragon next week's time. Getting, getting injected by all sorts next oh, week. Oh, yeah, I'm a My second injection, that's right. Are you that agent here on the second injection? <laughs> yeah, right. That's the last one. <laughs> I, I, got, I, uh, I got a letter uh, to say that I was uh, going to get my uh, jab or jab on yeah, next week in Ravenscraig. So I just turned around to Rachel and said, Well, Rachel, you've been saying that you're sick of me. So I'm going to fly over to Scotland, or I can't fly, but I'm going to get a boat over to Scotland. So for a year and a half, Rachel was like, yeah, Danny, get rid of me. And then the minute I say to her, I'm going to go home to get my, 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 my job, she's like, no, 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 you can't be doing that. I'm like, all right, aye, <laughs> very good. Through the love, love still there, you know what I mean? Totally backtracked. I was like, I can get the ferry over. You can get my sevens when you're across. I can get my sevens, aye. Actually, the fitness is there as well, and then I could get my, my Ravens Craig Jag and then stay with mum and dad for a night and then go back over. And I'd all sorted. No, vetoed. No. Vetoed. Put the foot down. No, I could die in the next couple of weeks, and how guilty would you feel? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll find. Uh, so, first of all, just to, we've got like Celtic issuing information today. Rangers have moved on with their. Their signings, obviously, we've got a bit of the weekend. We'll talk about that a wee bit uh, because we can only we can only do so many tiers. Uh, Rangers seem to be moving on. Rangers football strip is, and gear is still falling apart, but that's not really a story. We've got uh, the 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 leagues now. Celtic Colts teams are allowed to join the Highland Super South League now for some reason, and. Uh, also, I like to just say what you think about Andy Walker. Also, we've got the comic genius, which is Morris Ross as well. Uh, Morris Ross is it's Peter Kay now. Then Morris Ross is probably the funniest man, probably the funniest man in Scotland. But uh, so we've got Morris Ross as well. So we've got loads of things going on, but nothing really. And uh, so, so did you see Celtic's letter to you that nobody signed today, Chris Nelson? 
Yes, I I got, I was doing my work this afternoon, busy as always, and then a couple of things here, the, the messages are pinging and pinging. Oh, Celtic have sent us an email. Have a look at it, and it really was just the, the I, a, a complete dribble of just say, trying to say sorry, but not actually saying anything, and just, and then we wanted to scroll down to see is it Peter Law signed it, or is it Dominic McKay signed it, um, but nothing, just a kind of blank thank you, and that's it from Celtic Football Club. Uh, kind of sums up this the state of the place. I was just looking at the day. It was 74 days since Lennon got sacked or left the building. And it's 75 days to our first Champions League game. Um, and we've you've got situations with that where Kamarnock got a manager on nine days, Ross County within two, Mother within seven. Even with Chelsea going to the bigger clubs, one day took that manager, PSG eight days. Celtic are bumbling around 74 days later. And it's just the, the type of the message as well is just, it's like, We've got to put something out because season ticket money has got to come off in the next couple of weeks as well. And I've just got to buy a bit of time. And it's, it's typically the way the, the the club is so badly run and managed in terms of how what they think the fan base is feeling just now. Because um, me personally, I've kind of, you know, I've sort of been a women's football lobby, but I've completely shut up from Celtic games. I, was, I watched the game at Sunday, but I did not pay an awful lot of attention to it. I've, I've, and I've never known that in my, my lifetime of being a Celtic supporter. But um, the custodians of the club are just so far detached from the, the common fan, it's it's actually quite frightening. Um, and that email get summed up to me, to, to be honest. This 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 world that we live in as well, like the the PR driven world sometimes you hear is better call them Tinglish. Tom English, <laughs> Tom Tinglish talks about they talk a lot about oh the SFA presentation there, the, the way they, they, they scope their PR and obviously we had all the James Trainer stuff and we had all your the guy in the SFA and, and all the way that it, 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 it's scoped as into to to gain something from people. You know what I mean? It's it's all about people have paid a lot of money to make us feel good or to and and I just don't understand that I've never really got that and I don't understand why Celtic Sending out emails is like a, a was that a placeholder or we have to communicate. It was a great a great line uh, was said. If Alex Ferguson was at Old Trafford on Sunday, he would have. He, if he was still the manager, he would have went out and met the crowd. He would have just got out there and met the crowd, and said, "Look, guys, I need to talk to them." And I actually thought, "Wow." That's probably true. Ferguson would have went out and talked to his fans. Not send an email, you know. It's a funny... and I think you would get more credit for that, you know. Just going to say, look, guys, we're trying our best here, but and what, season tickets don't need to be in. They can, do, they can pass them back. It doesn't need to be a big thing. Another thing from that perspective in terms of... I mean, I know, obviously, there's discussion of how coming and all that, and it's the fact it's very quiet. Hopefully, she just is coming. But Celtic as a club have, have, have seen very little for six months of complete disasters on the pitch. I think by that time, even Dominic Kai's been in, if somebody could just sit down and have a few questions, don't have, they're not going to tell you who's going to be the manager, who's going to be this or that, but what's the structure, what's the plans going forward, what do they want to do with the academy, what do they want to do with their scouting network, are they going to employ a director of football? That kind of thing is, you don't have to talk about names, dates or anything, but you give them an idea, like, you know, we're actually we're engaging with the fans, we're telling you we want, we're going to do X, Y and Z. Our philosophy is we want to be a we want to get a Europa League last sixteen over the next three, four years, or the next two years. We want to try and get to the final of that in three, four years. Not actually say we're going to win things or anything, but actually give a bit of what what Celtics what Celtics plan, where they actually want to go. Um whereas that just tells you nothing. There's like to me they're just going to go back into that whole we'll beat Rangers and that's all we need to do every year. What do you think, Mr. Dixon? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, in my, in my wee brain, I'd love Celtic just to go and say we're going youth, we're a couple of senior players. That's I love them to say. They're never ever going to say that either. There you go, Mr. Dixon. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I'd love that. Can I touch on that last week? He was talking about having a core of kind of real star foreign players, and then have some Scottish players maybe brought in from other teams, and then supplement that with the, the youth team players. I would love that to happen. I would love for Celtic to be full of Scottish players an entire squad full of Scottish players with a couple of Irish players thrown in but I mean, that's not going to happen and that's like me saying that I wished Henrik Larson and Chris Sutton and Stalin Petro never played for the team you know they're, they're real star players but that annoys me when they sign these guys who are um, 
just really not up to the task and there's better Scottish players there, you know. Have, yeah, have, have, have five or six real quality foreign players, but I don't see any reason why they have to go abroad for all these players when there are good enough players playing the Scottish League and there are Scottish players. Um, I, I suppose every club, I, I mean, maybe I'm kind of going back here and I'm talking about previous years when we used to have a, a team full of Scottish players. That was the rule then, wasn't it? You could only have so many foreigners. So things change. I get that. Things change. Every club in the world has moved on to that. You don't get many clubs playing with foreign players uh, with an um, entire home-based, uh, homegrown team now. Um, I just, I'd like to go back to that somehow. I just think we've kind of lost our identity a wee bit with some of the signings that we've made. I've got absolutely no connection with Celtic. Um, and I remember speaking to a couple of people maybe last year, thinking, I wonder if they'll do that when Celtic get to ten in a row. I wonder if they'll say, right, okay, what do we do now? What do we fans want? Do we want eleven in a row, twelve in a row? Do you know, did, I wouldn't say it gets boring, but when we did a new challenge, so I always thought they would maybe do something, go along the lines of, okay, let's restructure, let's try and bring young guys through. And I think fans would have settled for that. I think if we'd got 10 in a row, people would have said, right, let's change it a wee bit. Let's kind of change our philosophy when maybe more of an emphasis on youth. But because of what's happened in the last year and because we we did have such a bad season and Rangers now on top, people, I don't think people would give them time, even if it was a good miser like Eddie Howe that came in or whatever. I don't think people would give them time and say, OK, let's go with the youth system. People just want to hit back straight away. So we're in a bit of a mess just now. But here's, here's the point. And the point about PR... And both of these are touching on it as like the communication piece is key. Like, like Celtic is the never ending story. And Clanny Clare always said, when my granda, because my granda loves Celtic, but Celtic, he always realised that Celtic will always be there once, once he wasn't. Now, Celtic is the never ending story. It's going to continue to, to go unless we make a mess of it. And heaven forbid that doesn't happen. So, but Betty said in Wednesday said we're just going to buy some duff championship players and I don't want that and it kind of breaks his heart I thought to myself again exactly same as uh, Chrissy Dixon says it, I'm thinking if we were to come out really strong and just communicate put emphasis on A, B and C I think then, then again I'm I'm a bit of a, a I'm a bit of a dreamer maybe that wouldn't happen maybe but we, 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 honestly with a 27 beatings this this year so like it can't get any worse than this and we're still talking about them we're still here for them but uh, the communication just tell us and I think we would I think, yeah, I think you're talking about Chrissy saying earlier on is that the irony of all this is the last 8-9 years has been the, um, the perfect opportunity to Celtic have done what we're talking about they should have done it in 2012 that's when they should have said, like, this is our youth policy. We started instead of moving up. I mean, the list of strikers that Celtic have purchased in the last eight years yeah, is incredible. Um, from from Lennon's time to the Dialers' time, Kazim Richards and all these guys, God knows, it's actually frightening when you see them. And it's always Carl, Carlton Cole. Cole. Carlton Cole. Cole. Um, Miku, um, bloody Puki, Bangura. We got partly the wrong Bangura we bought. But um, all these kind of guys who've got so the list is endless. And um, if we did all that, I mean, honestly, 12, in 2012, we said that we we're going to put all that. I think how many players we would have in our team now who have been there for eight years, like Callum. Callum and Vega probably wouldn't have got an opportunity if it wasn't for Ronnie Dyler forcing that kind of put, get having that emphasis on. He was waiting for us scrutiny until he was 22. Hmm. Um, so, so, he, uh, I had to do it. I know, but, it, but that's, what, that's what a football fan is. It's like, like Stephen, like for instance, when when you look at Southampton, so Ra- I can never get their names right. Ralph, like, what do you call it? They they brought him in, uh, and and then if you look at uh, Thomas Tuchel and his is it Rafa Rafa Renclick or whatever he now is he's the owner he's now the coach of the whole of uh, the Red Bull project, like he's the overall guy. So when he was when. Uh, Thomas Tuchel couldn't play football anymore. He started to move down the ranks. And this this guy, Raf is Renwick, I think. He took him under his wing, plus other players, and started this pressing play, this type of personality football where you, impre- you press yourself onto players, pl- press yourself onto teams, you press high up the park, and all these philosophies that Klopp and people are doing just now. Now, if you look back to 2017 and you look at that German league, at that stage, if we had taken one of those guys, 
I mean, Thomas Tuchel, like one of the guys just that was below Thomas Tuchel, Julian, such and such, and I think he's taken the Bayern Munich, he's only 28 years old or something. Like, if we had that sort of envis- vision to take one of those guys then, we could have a whole brand new club with all the <laughs> philosophies taken over from Liverpool. I mean, the Chelsea experience is amazing because Chelsea, Chelsea are the only club, right? I don't know what you call it. Chelsea... I've got to the Champions League final three times with changing their manager in the season. Domateo was changed. Uh, what do you call it? Thomas Tuchel was changed. He was a manager that came in. And the other guy was... Uh, Alvin Grant. Alvin Grant, something like that, yeah. So three mm-hmm. managers took them to the Champions League final. And we sat in November time, in October time, and just sat in it. And that's just how, how, and these German managers, and I'm not saying German. I'm just it's just when you look at that Bundesliga of 2017, Thomas Tuchel didn't win it. He was fourth, or whatever. And the guys on about him have all been on and had phenomenal careers and still have. Yeah. And they wouldn't have cost much. We could have took a punt, you know. Especially you think back to where we were in 2017, where the club were under Rodgers as well. The philosophy was already there. Was the there, players yeah. had the that the professionalism. And that's dropped off a cliff in two years, absolutely. And somebody come in who has to start that all over again. Callum McGregor's one of the kind of prime examples of a player who's just completely fell apart in that period of time. But Stevie Boyd was What do you think, Chris Harrison? What do you think is going wrong with Callum McGregor? I mean, except for the fact that he's played about 2,000 games. Um... <laughs> he's not played enough this year. Like he might cause COVID, he played less games. That's probably what his problem is. But no, Cal McGregor for me is a prime example, a player who was so well coached under Rodgers and who had a direct role in the team, did X, Y, and Z. The team just flowed so well. Even last year under Lennon, McGregor was actually really decent. But if you know, if you look back over a season, I think he had two, a spell in January where he actually scored two or three goals and looked a player again. And Sorrow was in with him at that time. But see if you analyse other games with him, he's doing a job of two men all the time. He's constantly, in fact, if somebody put a kind of I mean, a, a clips together and a minute of time, he's covered Scott Brown's position this year. So he's constantly playing with his head check behind him all the time. He's not been able to play in the front foot. And it's and if you even go back to some of his interviews after I think it's Sparta Pride game when he was pretty raging and he was talking about we don't know what we're doing out there he was actually the guy throwing himself in the line to stop the, the fifth or whatever the third goal the fourth goal going in for Sparta reserves um, and it's just I think McGregor McGregor's a quality player but he's but not being coached the proper way and he's playing with Scott Brown but he is of age now to sorry Chris he's, he's of age now to really sort of you know start leading but, but what type of player do you think he is I mean for me I thought I thought McGregor would be getting 15 goals this season. And actually, that move that he does so well, he's technically so gifted. See when he does this sort of a one-two with the striker and he goes beyond I know. and then he just smashes it in the top corner. He doesn't do that anymore. He's like... But um, I think, again, that falls down to when he was, when he was under McGregor. He was playing the one-twos in with Dembele. He was playing them in with Edward. And it was all... It was Rodjick was there. He had a great link-up with Rodjick and Tierney down the left side. But the, 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 the team's function, you look at... I mean, you, you watch back in the days. It was... If McGregor came to the team, somebody else came in and it was the exact same way of playing. But they've lost all that identity that way. And I think McGregor's a player, that's similar to Bobby Christie. Who actually get, generally has to be told a lot of players this, this day and age has to be told A, B, and C what they have to do in the pitch, as opposed to going out and kind of making it happen. I don't think McGregor's potentially got that in him to be the kind of talk about him being the captain. I don't think he has the leadership qualities for that. Um, I think he may have the role model capabilities. I think he'll be a great role model in the dressing room. I think his professionalism is probably top notch. He'll know about drinking. He'll know be eating. You know, he'll be he'll train, train, train. But is he a leader? But did, is that needed in modern day captains anymore? I'd probably debate it. I don't think guys like getting shouted at anymore. Snowflake society for football players these days. Yeah, that's just kind of, I was kind of one of the points I was going to make as well. And you touched on that, talking about he was doing the job of two men. Under Rodgers, everyone knew their position, everyone knew their role on the team. They were flexible and they could move them out, but they knew when they were defending, when they were attacking, you knew their shape, where they were to be. And Brown was always the one that would sit. And even if they played two midfielders together, Brown and McGregor, Brown was the one that would sit a bit deeper. Now, I don't know if it's that um, Brown doesn't know his role anymore or Brown's maybe just not the player he was a few years ago, but 
McGregor used to push on. He wasn't exactly a playmaker, but as, you, as Stephen said, those examples when he would always make the runs, play the little one-two. I remember him doing one in the cup final. Was it against Rangers? Was it a game? Was it a league cup final or a Scottish cup final? I can't remember. He did a wee one-two with a striker and went on, and then he kind of put the ball through someone's legs into the goal. That was a perfect example of, of McGregor, how he makes his kind of late runs into the box. But now I think he doesn't really know if that's his position, if that's what he's meant to be doing. And also I think he's covering for Scott Brown because Brown maybe just hasn't got the legs. So he's having to drop back. And I don't think that kind of deep-sitting player is, that's his style. Also look at the guys he said about, he used to have Kieran Tierney. Obviously if you've got Kieran Tierney covering for you or going past you, it makes a difference. And also before that he had um, Scott Sinclair on the left. Scott Sinclair could, could go wide or Sinclair could drop or go into the middle and create space. He doesn't have these players. So I suppose when you're surrounded by a lesser class of player you're having to kind of cover for them and you know it's you're almost carrying carrying the team a bit but, it's just um, always sad though for him in a, in a way you know because you just don't want you know he's such a he's, he can reach those standards and what was interesting it's something that I'm sure I read about it but I thought this season and last season Scott Brown was going to play an actual sweeper role so he'd be in the middle of the back three or even just basically be a defender a centre half like in the same way that they tried to do with Gerrard but it never ever materialised but I'm sure there was talk about it maybe a sweep on the stand or something would have been more a number of years because he's very limited in what he can do. Um, not to say he's the but he's obviously his career's superb, but he's he's helped Celtic back massively. But here's um, here's the also like when you look like Martin or Martin made a great point about Roderick and it was something that I, I couldn't I couldn't quite sort of get it in my head, but I knew something was wrong. Like Roderick isn't a midfield player. He just isn't a midfield player. What he is is he's that number ten that sits half turn and moves the ball. And, a, and a, if you look at if you want to call it a diamond or whatever, but he's that, even two players in front of him, he, he gets that three ball in, gives McGregor the wee shuffle off, make, moves the defence, plays it back in. But playing Roderick in a midfield role is totally dilutes what he actually brings to the team. And, and I always watch someone under Lennon. Roger's playing in the middle of the park, and I'm like, but, but why? That's not that's not where he plays. Like I I know, for instance, like I'm not a midfield player. I understand that. My brain can tell me now. I can do things run about the park. I can run around. I can go different. But in the middle of the park, it takes different types of engines and individuals to play that. And I think that the Tom Roger could be classed in the same as McGregor. As we've had this phenomenal talent. And all we do now is just slag him on the ground. But I just don't think he's played in the right position. Aye. No, I agree. Tam, Tam, you just get that free reward. Although I think, to be fair, he's kind of, he's probably past it. I don't think he's getting motivation in some ways. I think he, I don't know, but it's been too long since we've seen anything from Rodjick. But Rodjick playing in the white, he's playing in the right hand side of diamond. I mean, that takes a hell of a lot of energy, man. It's just um, not happening. It's, it's just silly. Bonkers. He's got geriatric legs, Rodjick. He just can't move and he can't, he ducks out he's his not, head in the ball. He's not as getting well. geriatric. No, he's not, he's not getting, he's, 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 he's a specialist he's football, a, he's a specialist he's football a, player playing he's in got, a, a random yeah, position. But he's, well, he's, he's, he's turning very quickly into a luxury that we can't really sort of have. He, we, that's a, that's a, that's a nonsensical comment from a team that can't put three games together and it's the premier team of this. Celtic should have luxury players to play at luxury positions to change the game. That's what he did against Kilmarnock all those years ago. Tom Rogers not changed the game probably now three years. That's the He's not been played in his position. And for three years, no, okay, no, I think he didn't have a bit of it, but I just don't think no. Tom. And I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Tom Rogic. I love Tom Rogic. He's, he's my type of player. Um, just like he always wants to get a wee ball through. Love it. I think, I think he's the type of player that will look back with lots of regrets in his career. He could have done so much better, and he's he's not done enough for Celtic. I think he's he's lived off that Scottish Cup final for so long. Watched him when he came on in that Lazio game. Um, where I get swept up in the whole uh, chant about slagging the Lazio fans and we got fine but apologies for that um, 
but he was he was poor in that game as well, and that's the games you expect somebody with a touch of his, you know, he can get control of the ball very well. You expect him to do it in Europe. Doesn't do it in Europe. Can't have done it in Europe. No, even, and that's the thing. Exactly. That's my benchmark for him. The only game he did do well, I think. I remember him playing well against Man City at Parkhead. Um, other than that, Tom Brodick failed in almost every European game. He never, he never really loved, even when he was at his prime. And I think it's because he just didn't have that pace, that turn of pace. He's just got geriatric legs. I mean, you can't even deny it. He's like big JP he used to play us in the East Coast game. I was thinking he's like. I was going to say that, yeah. All the ability, but he just couldn't. He knew mobility. Ability, John, mobility. Was that John Maines or was that another guy? JP, so many big tall guy. He used to big. Um, he'd ping the ball in the top corner all the time. I played some great passes, but he the engine. Uh, and I couldn't remember the pitch very well, but to me, he's 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 very similar in that sense. He's like, can do anything you want with the ball, but don't don't ask me to run. Yeah, so. I, yeah. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe I'm just, yeah. Maybe I'm just wishful I thinking. Yeah. I love him. I just think uh, Scott Brown will have me a, a dig up because he annoys me, but he's got me ability. <laughs> but you're you're really hoping whoever comes in gets rid of these guys, ships these guys out because yeah, Rodrick was a good player in his time. You know, he's been through a few. He's been there's a few times when I thought he was his way out. You know, and he was kind of was he, he didn't have the fitness, and then he would come back and he'd produce a few good months, but. He's not going to be a starter for Celtic, and he's kind of that age. I think we need to kind of move him on and get someone yeah. else in, someone that can last ninety minutes and make a difference for ninety minutes. I don't think. I'm not, not saying it has to. No, I'm, I'm supposed to be Ryan Christie, players. but I'm yeah. supposed to be Ryan Christie. What happened to him? Yeah, well, I think Ryan Christie was that maybe not that style of player, but he kind of played in the same position. He could break in, score goals. Again, I don't know if that was down to coaching. I don't know. If Chris said he has to be coached. Maybe he was really well coached and. You'd like to think players have got that ability to do it on their own without having a coach having to tell them, but whatever happened between Rodgers and Lennon, he's just, um, he's gone from, you know, a real starter for Celtic to, you know, people are getting rid of him, people are happy for him to leave now. Chris One of the things Lennon always spoke about is that he always wanted players to hit shots and hit, like, take a, just keep hitting shots and get crossed in the box. As soon as Christy, as soon as Lennon was there, Christy, you, Christy, me, everyone, the, the jokes you get every week with Christy shooting now. I know. And it was one of the guys that did one of the analyses. The amount of shoot that he had up until Kennedy took over from outside the box was the highest in the league by like five or twenty percent. And since Kennedy took over, he started taking shots closer in again because again, if you're instructed to be a manager, go you hit a shot every time. If you turn the player, hit your shot, hit your shot, hit your shot. A guy like Christie, who's probably just looking for the like the the the, the headlines, because I think he is a, a player like that. I think he's very much an individual, Christie. Um, He's probably looking for the shorts in there. So, why, why is everybody looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You could put a few in the top corner, though, Paul. That's why the five we requested the net above it's the nurse. <laughs> so, he's always turning up. Oh, I was uh, just a quick, you know, because we're going down the Celtic. I, I, uh, I ended up, I, I was playing with the 10 year olds. I ended up, anyway. Through, through the COVID, it's Saturday morning, eleven o'clock. All oh. Josh's, all Josh's pals would come down, right? <laughs> and like, so I'd go in goals, and like all the dads would be talking about, I don't know what they talk about in like, uh, Dublin property or something. Like that. Anyway, I'd just go in goals, and all the kids would just batter shots, and I'd be, you know what I'm like, my partner's rubbish. So I'm shouting and people like, don't want to smell Irish boys in my boxes. Get out, pushing them all out. Like, but they're all playing one-two football, and they're all really good football players, and. Uh, so after a while, after a couple of weeks, I thought, right, and the dads, had, some of the dads come down, they were playing, they were playing defence, the dads would be defending, the kids would be like the attackers, and then I just said one time, I was like, right, I'm, I'll, I'll play out, right, and then it was just like, I just came out goals, and the dads were all that, and I just went full commentary, just started like, Larson, Larson, it's kind of like shouting to me, boys, where's my one to it's not that. I had this phenomenal finish and just walked off. Was waving all the models and stuff. Like, like, Paul, what is your problem? Last night, last night, last night I was playing tennis with John Dwyer, great guy, playing tennis. We're playing away, we're playing away. And a a drone, I swear to God, a drone came right above my head. A drone was filming me playing tennis. And I was just, I I turned into Boris Becker, I was just driving about like a lunatic. I just, I don't know what, I just need that, I need that adulation. I need need people watching me, I need that sort of, I need that sort of, it goes back to Stephen's, Stephen, uh, the tenants, don't you press the red button, Stephen, and you can film your goal. I think if 
you could film your goal when we were playing and hit that red button. I think I'd be, I think I'd be the greatest football player of all time because I just spend my whole life watching my own goals. Have you have you ever played in a match? Because before lockdown, I played uh, fives and uh, I didn't actually know what was going on, but everybody was running to this the side of the pitch after a goal, and then I clocked it. It was one of those ones where you can record, so it records back the last twenty seconds, and it's a, it completely changes the game because you don't you're not really playing football anymore. It's not the dynamics of a game. It's Maybe like I you're play playing. Don't have that yeah, you're playing like in Hollywood. You know, it's that Hollywood goal you're trying, and then you can record it. Um, I did have to indulge a few times, um, but it did sort of a. It's weird in a way because, like, in one way, it sort of ruined it. Right, because everybody was just thinking about how you score a goal and then record it. And but another way, I thought, well, going back to East Kilbride when we used to play sevens, like, like you know, I remember scoring against was it? It was Ian Ingalls, the guy that he used to always get a, a, a shot in the in the nuts and the gonads, if I can say that. But so he was he was brilliant Ingalls. But anytime you scored against him, you know, like that, it, it was just like it was the best goal ever because he was such a good goalkeeper. But nobody ever, well, in the Hamilton crowd, no one remembered it. Like, Danny would score, like, from, like, a tap-in or something like that. And then that's all you'd hear on the way home. And you're like, hold on. You know, I scored a tap <laughs> goal, but we're just hearing about Danny's goal. So the recording, <laughs> if we had the recording capability there, then, you know, that's evidence that we would have this to sort of stay real. Because nobody remember. I don't think when I play football, anyone remembers anything I did. <laughs> I remember... Chris Dixon was always postage stamp top corner all the time. It was every game. There was always a shot. It just I'm going away for a cup of tea now. <laughs> I don't know, but the way Dixon hit the ball, it sort of just rose up into the top corner, and I'm like, "How did you do that?" Nelson does the same. Does this run? It's like a mixed day sort of pirouette. You run back and then you're running. Easy, you're, easy. It does. And then he's away. And yeah. then you're like, easy. You do this run. I don't know where you learned it from, but. You, he did it that even that time he played in Lourdes. And, but I think you're offside though when you when you run away. But um, obviously we don't play with linesmen at seven, so it's difficult to tell. But <laughs> anyway, that, that run, Stephen, you're just born with it. I think. I, I love I love that line. Even now, even now, even like I'm playing football in Dublin, and I, I'm having a day like I chat to. I done something just really like crazy. I don't know what happened anyway. I just I, I jumped up and followed it from wherever it was. And I just turned around to people and say, "You just can't teach that." I just say it all the time, and it drives people utterly mental. <laughs> like they're like, "We already know you're an ass," but <laughs> just because you said that, you're not going to invite you back next week. And I'm like, "I'm sorry, guys." Uh, so yeah, we're so yeah. East Coast Bride days, eh? Jeez, memory lane. No, yeah. I've said to you know, I see Chris doing his training now he coaches at the same time as my son play, does his training and you see Chris Nelson trying to teach that he gets, he gets frustrated because he's trying to teach all the youngsters how to do that pass that little <laughs> that little half pull and thread the ball through and you see him getting annoyed about it because he just can't get it it's just you've either got it or you haven't do we get to call him Andy Roxburgh when he's doing it is that, is that what he gets asked <laughs> got my clipboard <laughs> Yeah, right. uh, yeah. See, so, I did more difficult trying to tell kids how to play that pass through to Chrissy Dixon when he's not there. Does oh, it, yeah. do, just, 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 I just don't know. I, I, I don't know if the, we can probably cut this, but does does Ian have a family now? Is he, is, is he, is he, is he the goalkeeper? Do we know? Is he still there? Aye, surprisingly, aye. It's pretty impressive. Sit on Stephen Battle, them about the place. <laughs> he, he, they still work. Does he? Yeah, he's got a family. That's okay. I can I can sleep tonight because. I think we all Aye. deep down thought that was it. He was gonna, he was just gonna be a, a single man for the rest of his life. Because I, 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 I think he had armor in there. He was a brilliant goalkeeper, Ian. First, you know, you spoke about it last week with Sweeney. I thought it was a wee bit harsh to be honest about how he could only play a certain, certain, you know, sevens. I'm sure he could play elevens as well, but. Danny and John individually text me and said, Paul, you nailed Sweeney. That was our <laughs> lads. I didn't mean to say it like that, and I forgot that I was with, with Sweeney's fanboys. So I didn't mean <laughs> to say it like that. I was just trying to, I was just saying words for the sake of it. So I've got Sweeney's solicitor's letter from him, which is fantastic. I need to reply to that. 
plus John and Danny, like, oh, you nailed, nailed him, nailed Sweeney there, nailed him. I was like, oh, okay. What did I say? As you say, once you've said it, Mr. Dixon, you've said it, you can't really roll back in it, unless you're Stephen, which I edit yeah, 20 nah, minutes out. So, uh, yeah, so, look, <laughs> I, as the summer's coming and it's only two days left, and two, day, two weeks left to Celtic, and, uh, yeah. So we did, we did, we did the, 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 com- the comedic timing of Morris Ross, Stephen, which I know you want to talk about, I don't want to talk about depending, but basically, uh, Morris, Morris Ross, Morris, Morris Ross is a phenomenal, funny person, he's just, so Morris Ross leaves Rangers in 27 years old or whatever, has great quotes, like absolutely great quotes, for instance, Morris Ross goes to another football team while playing for that team. He says something like, when you pass it to like Contamin or pass it to Amoruso, you know that the ball's going to stick. When I pass it to such and such in Millwall, he always loses it. He just says it. When he goes to China, he, he blames the whole China team for like being rubbish. And then the Chinese guy comes out and says, actually, all the goals we ever lose are from right back. So like, he's just this, this rod, this lightning rod of, of Morris Rossness. But Morris Ross has tried to recreate himself as a coach and, and saying the right words and stuff like that. And he, he's done an SFA coaching podcast. He's done all that stuff. So you really do hear him. We talked about the PR. He really has given that sort of the, 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 the nice sort of soft words and I'm here to create individuals. I'm here to push people on. So he says all the key phrases. He's obviously well learned. But after five weeks or six weeks, he's lost his job. Which we again, that's caveat. We don't like on this podcast for people to lose their jobs. Although I keep losing my job every week, but apart from that, we don't like people to lose their jobs. That's what they say the podcast on. But Morris Ross has been done for uh, racial racial comments <laughs> to a guy uh, last week and lost his job. So he then went on to Radio Scotland and uh, apologised profusely. And. Uh, yeah, it was comedy gold. If you can listen to it, just listen to it. Morris is just, he's just utterly brilliant. Did you hear it, Chris Nelson? I've not, not just about you were talking about earlier on. Um, so I hadn't, I hadn't heard much about it until then, but I, um, not good at all. Not, not awfully surprising, to be perfectly honest, as well. But it's, it's just uh, a. It's stiff. interesting to see how the media spin it based on what's been happening recently with a certain club as well. Well, yeah, that's, that's, funny, that's, that's well. exactly what that's exactly what Bertie said as well. I spoke to him earlier. Yeah, because it's something I always remember. Like, obviously, go back to when I, I bring this up quite a lot, but Scott Sinclair a few years ago, some of the things that happened to him and some Glasgow derbies, um, and that was swept under the carpet, not just by the, um, the media, but Celtic as well, being swept under the carpet, um, and nobody mentioned a thing. And then suddenly, obviously, this this lab at Prague instance recently has brought, which quite rightly was out of order, but you can't pick and choose these things. It should be slated no matter who does it or what if it's your colour of your skin or your gender or whatever it is. It's very funny. Uh, it's very funny looking at perceptions. So Morris Ross says a really funny thing, and he says, I mean, I mean I've got foreign kids, right? And he says I've got foreign kids, right? And I was like, all right, okay, he's got foreign children, so that doesn't make him... I think the implication is he's not racist, he's got foreign kids. But when you listen to these interviews, then you think back at it, you're like, wait a minute, I've got foreign kids. Stephen's got foreign kids. Everybody I know. Like, my kids are Irish. Does that make me... And then, but with all this sort of chat, anyway, like... You guys come from East School Pride. East School Pride's a, a predominant, like a, a, like a mixed community... An old language, you get my drift. Like East Bride, Hamilton, but I mean, Stephen came from Blackwood. Like you couldn't, like the week before the twelfth of July, you wouldn't believe in your house. You, if you went down Lark Hall, you wouldn't believe in your house because you get absolutely, like we were chased because of our our religious background, and then to all these years later, and you never think about it because that's just the way the world. What's what's it? What's the story? Chris Nelson, you don't get the, you don't go off at Dilmarnock. What's the one you don't go off? You don't go off at Bridgeton. Right. And we just took that for granted all those years ago. Now, we just we just didn't. And I remember Chris Dixon was talking about it uh, about Australia off here, <laughs> and uh, you were saying about going to Australia. When I went to Australia, I told that story for the first time, and then realised to myself how bonkers that was. Like 
We couldn't go off. I didn't realise it because I was so immersed in Celtic and my culture and my religion and all that carry on. I didn't actually think about the craziness of not being able to, as a young man, go off at a different place, a, a, a community train station, because you would you get a chance to get started. And guess what happened? It did. It's mental when you think, you just, perception of, when Morris Ross said about, I've got foreign children, then you're like, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? And then you start thinking, so the race stuff, I, I love, I think Rangers, that's great, if we're going to do it, but you say that consistency needs to be there. And you can't have people saying, monkey, monkey chants or monkey signs when Scott Sinclair was there, which is totally crazy. Sweep under the carpet, five years later, which this guy is totally destroyed. The spark guy is just totally out of order as well. Then they're making a big thing about it. So hopefully, yeah, they're going to do the right thing, but we, we just have to see. I suppose the cynic is they're not going to do the right thing. I don't know. But Morris Ross. I mean, he, he, Morris Ross, I mean, he doesn't really, sorry, merit your time. I mean, he's basically a poor man's ultimate guy which is quite a sad thing to see. Some of the stuff he came out with, it was funny in the regards of, you know, he was talking about, it was a clumsy analogy. Um, and just, he talked about his, his, his interpersonal skills and sort of a, patted himself on the back to see how great they were. And then obviously then, you know, he couldn't construct a, a sentence um, thereafter. Uh, and he was actually laughing as well when he was talking about it. So I just think a poor man's sort of tabloid um, Malky Mackay, which is when you meet Malky Mackay and you talk to him, I mean, Malky Mackay is quite art- articulate, but yeah, he's, I mean, from what he's done as well, it's not particularly great. So, um, the, the the guy that came on that was slightly annoying, that was for me, and I, I don't know why he was annoying, he just annoyed me. It was a guy, Jordan Allison, who um, was doing the show racism, the red card, and I felt like I'd done something wrong, and it was just that like, he was, it seems like the sort of guy that is either an opportunist or He's, you know, he's genuinely really sort of serious about all this stuff and, and everything else. But he just, he just seemed to come across as a sort of guy that, that would, um, you were always going to do something wrong. I don't know. He just, he's he a bit called it a travesty, didn't he? Like, he called it like a travesty, uh, or a, he's, he called it. Somebody, he yeah. Says somebody died. But then the, the other point is the other point in the Morris Ross piece is, which I think we should go back to the John Kennedy thing, which has blown my mind as well. Morris Ross and the tweets on the 8th of April and he says this is me at my workplace It's people say it's a workplace but it's not really or something, something like that anyway on the lines of look I'm in such a privileged position and then you look at John Kennedy and Claire saying he doesn't really want the job but this fear then for Kennedy would be like, that job, that's such a privileged job that, what type of people are we giving the jobs to like Lennon was Lennon privileged enough to get that job like that? That feeling of I mean, these guys are paid a lot of money. I mean, Betty, Betty outlined what happened at the weekend. We paid John Kennedy. We paid, as in people that paid season tickets, paid a lot of money to give a a guy a chance to beat Rangers, and he basically did nothing. Zero, zilcho. Morris Ross has paid a lot of money and comes up with crazy things about, I don't know what he talks about, but he loses his job. Now, I think Morris Ross today will be thinking, wow, I was in a privileged position because you don't get that money elsewhere. You're not going to get that in first direct, are you? And I just think that when you look at John Kennedy, you look at your man striking, these guys aren't paid a lot of money for little. Do you think, Chris, am I just being a socialist here? Or... Aye, I mean, the, bottom, the John Kennedy thing, Actually, when you when Claire, started Claire saying that the other week, um, and watching him on Sunday and watching his team selection, all this, I, I kind of tend to agree. I don't think I think Kennedy, I don't think Kennedy is made for that. I don't think he's he doesn't come across as somebody who wants it either. I, I probably, and I know you talk about the privilege thing. I think he's kind of thrown into that. I don't think necessarily that's maybe I'm wrong in that, but I, I've come across to that idea that I don't think he wants to be a football manager. I think he being a being a coach to being a manager is two completely different things. Um, there's there's less pressure, there's less intense intensity, there's no decision making. I mean, but, so well, it's a privileged position, and he probably has maybe done as best he can. But 
he's just not he's not he's not cut, cut out for that job I don't think uh, and if he was I think he'd have went and got the Aberdeen job or maybe the Motherwell job that we talked about earlier on Ross County there's loads of jobs in Scotland that have been available and a guy of his experience would have possibly got it if he wanted to become a number one um, which makes me think he's either looking for a coaching job or is he looking for a direct for a football game which goes for Bindi we get he'd better not get it what do you think? Bertie made, Bertie made a really good point. Uh, easy, 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 Chris. No, it was a great, great point. <laughs> he spoke about how when um, when Lennon came in and after Rogers walked, and Lennon came in and he just kept it going. You know, kind of kept the status quo. Thought we'll play the same style of football. Maybe Lennon had his ideas of a different style of football, different brand of football. But he just he kept it. You know, he kept the team rolling forward. Just kept. To Rogers' kind of philosophy and style, and that was the right thing to do. And I think Barry kind of touched on that. That John Kennedy's done the same. John Kennedy's now done the same to Lennon. He's thinking, right, okay, I'll just keep going with what Neil Lennon was doing. The problem was Rogers was really successful. He was playing good football and winning games. Lennon was the exact opposite. So it's almost as if he doesn't have his own ideas. Own ideas, John Kennedy. You think? I don't know if someone's told him that you might get the job on a permanent basis if you win the cup or you're definitely out the door, but you think he would come in and just think, right, okay, let's turn that around. Just thinking, oh, obviously it didn't work this season for, for Lennon. Let's let's change completely. Let's, I don't know, play with wingers. We don't have any wingers that were fit, but let's, what's, what's John Kennedy's style of football? What's his brand of football? Go for it. And it couldn't be any worse than, than what's happened since um, the last eight or nine games of the season. So, but it's as if he's just kind of content to just go with go with you see that's essentially we're, we're saying that, that John Kennedy is like a, a bit of a Tommy Craig sort of a <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure he's not like but here's the thing but here's the thing right about the Celtic family and the Celtic community and stuff and like the fact that we're talking about it on a Friday night is right it's been a Celtic manager, not a, a rational thing. Like, I had a massive daydream the other day there. I, once I said we should have brought Paul McStay and Peter Grant. I just said it at the top of my head. I just plucked pluck names out. But, like, I thought to myself, like, these guys, if they came back, they'd be going absolutely bonkers. And being a Celtic manager isn't a, like, a, isn't like a civil servant post or a, or like an insurance claims manager. You can kind of log in and log out and you can look at your, the way you want your wee, I might go to sport director. Like, but a Celtic manager is like, a privilege there's only been how many 15 Celtic managers I think right. I think he's clearly been given but I think given. I don't know any evidence of him or any thought of him taking that job I think it was always just you're just dead in the ship but it's unlike the Lennon when the Lennon came in out, came out from outside the club and to take over whereas Kennedy I don't, I don't think it was any indication that he would ever get that manager's job and that plays his mind probably as well just to keep it ticking over but see if that was the case then if you were told he weren't getting the job maybe you should think let's do something let's do something completely different here and I maybe, hope so, yeah. maybe catch the eye of someone else another team a mother or whatever or a commander do something show that I can play a kind of exciting brand of football and I can motivate these players to pick up after a dreadful season to really kind of lift themselves and turn their season around almost and and maybe I might get a job out of this further down the line, but he's just he's just almost content to just like. Keep is that why he maybe isn't he hasn't cut out or doesn't even want the managerial role as well? Because I think he could have got the Aberdeen job or the Muddle job if he'd really pushed for that. Because he's he's been well thought of. Like, Rogers obviously trying to take him to Leicester mm-hmm. uh, as well as a coach. But not, I mean, being a coach is, is significant. Like his manager, you're in charge of the whole. Basically, you've got to be. The culture and everything you've got, to, you've got to mean. Yeah, so, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Chris right? So, at the weekend, you are Chris Nelson, right? You love Celtic. Okay, yeah, you love Celtic, yeah. You've got yes. a young, you've got a young family. You love football, and you've just told me that you were disengaged to watch a Celtic game, right? Now you are. I think you're maybe what you're 25, 26 years old or something. Like, you're a young guy. <laughs> if you're disengaged, <laughs> what's your Joshua? Like Josh is sitting watching it. Josh is ten years old, and obviously I'm trying to get like obviously he's a Celtic fan, but I'm trying to just to Moses, just trying to make sure that he knows where his bread's buttered. You know what I mean? Now a ten year old watching YouTube, watching somebody Celtic going through the going through the, the motions. Like Celtic need to keep the thread going. You can't just dip in, dip out. I, well, I don't think so because we're in an entertainment market. 
we get beat 4-1 off Rangers yesterday and Rangers didn't even get a third gear and we, and so are they going to lose people of a whole year and no fans I'm sure there's loads of people out there now that go to diff, do different things maybe they're training maybe they're going to there's so many different commodities out there that are looking for people's attention and we've given this guy that what we're saying doesn't want the job got no passion as Chris Dixon says does nothing but are Celtic able to continue to do this? I'm not, I don't know if this thing about 10 in a row, 11 in a row, 12 in a row, as you said at the start, it's going to get boring. So we have to reinvent the, 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 the stuff. And, and I, I don't know. I think we'll. I think the whole John Kennedy, the whole banal emails consent is, I think they're missing the mark. I really think that they're really... Look at Real Madrid. Hazard smiles after that Chelsea game, and the whole of Spain goes absolutely apoplectic, going bananas. Ellen Lucy sitting on the pitch with Steve Davis, who he, he he should be. Steve Davis shouldn't even be near Rangers. He shouldn't even be near that park. It's that same as Kennedy shouldn't be near that dugout. Ellen Lucy sits there and smiles. I am going bananas. Yeah. I am. My wife is saying, "Oh, what's that? What's that? Oh, more football for you?" I'm like, "Shut up! Man. I've got domestic. It's going on. I can't." And then, and then, we're getting to. I just think Celtic are missing it. I think they're missing, it and they're gonna. They'll, they'll suffer for it if they don't get it right. Because I don't think Celtic. Well, maybe that's me. Maybe I am the rational person. Maybe that's it. Things can, things can change really quickly. Things. It all depends how much Celtic wanted the people that they made it decisions want it. Think about when Martin O'Neill came in and Brendan Rodgers came in, real galvanise the place, bring in a few signings. It could be done. We could turn it around next season, but we obviously have to spend a lot of money. Real, there's, there's a lot of areas of the squad that needs upgraded. Um, but a new manager, spend it, man, we could do that. It really depends how much the how much the uh, the directors or whoever's in charge of makes the decision how much they want it. And do they realise, I wonder if they realise that how, how season ticket sales will fall if they... Um, if they don't announce someone soon. Um, See, I don't care. I don't care about season ticket sales. I actually don't care about them. I want, like, if you go back to, did you go, you went to the Juventus game, didn't you? We went to, did you go to the Juventus game all those years ago? Juventus, Celtic Juventus. Three. When I was, yeah. No, no, this, the away oh, game. Oh, and over there, no. 3-2. 3-2. So, Amorous, so, me, me, Danny and Jerry are sitting there. I think we were the only person that had a drink because we were, I was a bit more sly. I went out the area because there was no drink. But that, that night, that crazy night, but I always remember we were so annoyed and then somebody texted us that we, we, we watched the TV and we watched Martin O'Neill's interview after that. And I still can't watch that interview. With just I can't watch that interview without just, just losing it. Because that man told us everything he needed to know about who he was as a Celtic fan that night. He just was not having Amoruso following. And I still, I still, I mean, I, I'm not Martin O'Neill fan after it and stuff like that. I still thought, and he's, he's done some, he's just Martin O'Neill, he's a peculiar guy, he does his own thing. And that, but that, that interview that night, have we ever had that since from a Celtic manager since? That sort of passion and just say, we've been conned, they've robbed us. And they really did rob us that night. And I think that's what Celtic need. And that's what get you seats, that's what get season tickets. But maybe that's maybe that's a way now. Maybe that's not a uh, a real thing. I think. I mean, I think going back to that Martin New era, that was just coming off the back of Fergus taking over and the club, kind of re- getting reborn. Um, it was massive, and it was supposed to be been in Europe properly for whatever twenty any more any other life times anyway. Other than Gibby Benucci, there was Amex five one. The, the good old 90s. <laughs> I mean, looking back in the last few years, I've had debates with my brothers and my pals, and the fact that 10 in a row never, obviously, I wanted to win 10 in a row, but it was never for me the big priority. My priority was the club growing. Like, if the club grew in a proper manner, exactly. then 10 in a row would have been a formality. Um, they should have been thinking about how, in Champions League, to be honest, was always that kind of, it's never going to happen. We should have been becoming, we should, our plan should always be in a Europa League to get to that last four, win it over the last four or five years. Champions League, you would have sneaked into Champions League a couple of those years and done really well. Look at your Salzburg and your, a couple of other clubs. Um, I know they're obviously back over Red Bull, but Celtic need to have that European edge to them and they've not had it for years. I mean, you go back to Barcelona, this is the last big game we've won, really. Aye. 
Well, they, 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 back to it. Uh, 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 sorry, and the thing is, Seville showed you you could do it because they did it. They continually yeah, turned up to you, mean, and then suddenly their group, their teams moved on. You know, sorry, Mister Dixon. Sorry. I mean, let's look at City. I mean, I know it's, um, it's not a what I mean, Rangers of considering they don't have a great quality of team. They don't. I mean, they, they do better because they've they know they've got a role. They, 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 they put the best they can for the players they've got but they've better teams than them seeded wise over the last three, four years. If you were able to do that, we should be we should be getting quarterfinals, semi finals of that Europa League, um, given where we were seeding wise and also where we were financially over the last four or five years. But we accept we, we accept mediocrity all the time because we want to win the treble every year. We want to win you know what? The quadruple treble amazing, brilliant. But uh, if we got to the last for the Europa League your guys like Dembele and all these guys are more likely to stay you're going to get more money for them but grows everything it's, it's, it's like looking at the bigger picture which actually grows your club instead of being insular and just looking at 10 in a row and that's your deal, be all and end all the last 10 years we were in a position of strength where we could do that you know there's probably no league I can't think of any other league in the world like Scotland where you know if you don't win, it's complete failure. For any other league, um, like in England, you know, you can you, you can go two or three years without a winning a trophy, and it's not that bad. But in Celtic and in, in Scotland and Glasgow, you don't win the league; it's a disaster because your rivals win it. So you're, you're, there's pressure, high pressure to win every year. The last ten years, they weren't here because they were dead and on their way back or whatever, or they were here but they were kind of really on strength. And um, that was a, that was the time we should have done that. That was a perfect time to kind of think about how we can go forward with youth and do enough to win the league, but promote younger players throughout our team. Think about the think about a way forward. Think about you know ten years down the line where we're going to be. But we've, we've, we've blown that now, and now we're in a situation where we're actually chasing them and we're, we're trying to catch up with them. Well, look, yeah. I mean, the, the, I'm just going to I'm going to wrap it up now because I suppose it's half nine on a Friday night, and I better go and do some family stuff. But the, the fact is that. It's when Betty, and I know it's just that piece when Betty says they're going to promise us, it, promises us it, but it ain't going to happen. And I think that was his line that he said on Wednesday, and it kind of made me kind of sad because I was like, oh. But that's, I mean, look, that's what we're sitting just now. It's not Celtic tears, it's just, we're just, we're just talking like people that, that love the club. But the fact of the matter is, that's the reason why you guys get such a great listenership because of that, and that, that sort of. That sort of crisp, intelligent insight that you gave us, lads. You know what I mean? You scope right. We're taking over you scope right. Stephen, we may have to do, we have to go and do like a, we'll go to Alan McCoyst and do like a, a, a live podcast in the Alan McCoyst arena. Cause, uh, cause all our fans in you scope right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sign some autographs. Yeah, yeah, it's coisty. It's coisty. Coisty. Super salary. So <laughs> appreciate it, guys. It's Friday night. I, I really hope. Sorry, I was going to say, I really hope that it's so quiet at Celtic because they are working behind the scenes. Uh, there's a reason, a reason why the manager we're bringing in can't be announced. And there's no reason. He's working behind the scenes and he's identified players, but I don't, and maybe next week, next time we speak, we'll have a manager, but I don't know. I'm not that confident. I just think maybe, uh, maybe they don't know. Maybe they haven't got a clue who they're bringing in and they're just, that's why they're so quiet. I, I'm I, hoping I, think if it's, yeah, I think if it's not who, then they're in deep shit. Yeah, that's it. All, all the eggs are in one, one basket. One of the points, Chris, just quickly, just to summarise my things, is you're talking about disengagement. Now, on that letter today, that email, you mentioned engagement. And it's Peter and Dom. Where, you know, importantly, Peter and Dom, along with our colleagues, are going to meet some main supporters groups. Now, the reason why, Chris, I think, in my opinion, that we didn't sort of grow and really go for the European um, is because I board is very local. You know, you've got Clyde Ship guy, um, Peter Lowell, you've got Dobie's Garden Centre, you've got that whiskey guy. It's a localised view, which is quite narrow in its view. That's what I think, and I think it goes all the way down. Um, if I were Dominic Mackay, coming in after what Peter Lowell has done this season, I would not want to be associated with that guy at all. I want to come in, and I don't want Peter and Dom are going to meet people, you know, I would not have anything to do with that guy. I would come in and say, right, Peter, see you later, take your gant um, shirts and get out. And I would, I'd, I'd be more in man and, and go from there. I know he doesn't start until July, but I would not want to associate myself in. It started now. But he but said it's all about engagement. Totally. Like Celtic now, we can't be just a token 
you know, say a few words. It's got to be action now, um, and, and that's what we have to, to, to see. We've missed a huge chance. We're going to look back in this period um, with such regret that we could have grown the club, like maybe Ajax did when they got to the Champions League when we were humping Ajax a few years ago. They went and reorganised and came back. And I, I suppose the optimistic things with Chris, Chris Dixon says is that, you know, if someone comes in the right person, it will lift it and we'll, we'll move in that direction. And that might happen quite quickly. But we've missed a huge opportunity. And and just, sorry, if I was the, the new guy, I wouldn't want to be associated with Peter Lowell and all the rubbish that he's done. But you mean, like, but, but like we've given ourselves an opportunity, but because we've broken out the East Coast Brown market now, we can go to Alan McCoy Stadium and just sit there and make, sign autographs and stuff. Oh, I, can't, I actually can't wait. We're going to do that, Stephen. Me and you and Betty, the two, the East Coast Brown Mafia. Bet, hey, can get Andy, 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 Mark, I will, Andy and Mark Hamilton in the door. You slagged Sparky off in the last podcast and he didn't even hear it. He was just so delighted he was listening to the two Chrissies. He's like, I listened to the whole podcast and didn't hear them slagging. I, I was like, he missed it, yeah. We spoke about We mentioned his name two or three times and he said that he missed it. He just says he was in Clown 9. He couldn't believe you two were on the podcast. Like, he was absolutely over the moon. So, yeah, yeah I'll admit, I, lo- I want to go to Alan McCoy's. I'd love to. Anyway, I'm going to wrap up. That's one hour of uh, in- insight of the, the two school bride lads in London. We know that Ian now is a family man and that's all I'm happy with. I'm going to sleep tonight knowing that I didn't ruin that guy's <laughs> life because I couldn't shoot. And, uh, and uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I really, really appreciate it. I thank you so much from our... Arisco Bride, uh, Chrissy's, and from Stephen as well. I know it's Friday night and I know there was a bit of mess and stuff like that, but I really appreciate it. I really appreciate Betty and his six pages of full scarp. And uh, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, well, a good weekend. And then hopefully we'll have a great new manager and everything will be we're rock and rolling. But uh, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Have a good evening. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers. Cheers. all the best. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye bye.